much for uh, just bringing everyone together today. Thank you for just getting to interact uh, before service, even right now with this illustration, God. I pray as we jump into your word, that God, we would really be focused on just growing in you, Lord. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I'm so thankful for the people who have stepped out of their comfort zones and shared the gospel with me. Now, at the time, I wasn't so thankful. You know, I shared a couple weeks ago about a friend named Trevor who shared the gospel with me, and I wasn't very thankful for it. And then uh, I never shared this story with you guys, but when I went off to college, I still had dreams of playing in the NBA. Yes, I was going to John Brown, and, you know, John Brown had never even made the playoffs at this point, but I still thought I had a shot at the NBA. So what did I do? I called up. I played one year of high school volleyball. I know you're like, high school volleyball? They didn't even have that? Yes, they had it at my school. It was a club sport. So I call on my coach because he had these guys jumping out of the gym. And I was like, coach, you got to teach me how to jump. So I go over to this garage and just picture a bunch of chairs set up like this. And he shows me how to jump over chairs. He shows me how to jump over, you know, just a bunch of jumping stuff. And then when I'm leaving, he goes, man, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And me being the very receptive I was, run out of the garage and say, see you later, coach. Never see him again. Ironic that this man is still in my life today and was the very first person I called when I became a Christian. I started calling him so much, I think he put me on a deny my call because I was so excited. But man, Sean Carter was another man who had a gospel conversation. A gospel conversation is simply a beggar showing another beggar where the food supply is. You can call it witnessing, you can call it evangelism, but today I want to ask you two questions. Can you remember someone who had a gospel conversation with you? Could have been your parents, could have been a friend, could have been a coach, but can you remember someone who had a gospel conversation with you? And then I want to ask you this question. When is the last time you had a gospel conversation with somebody? And as you think about that, I want to ask you a follow-up question. What keeps you from gospel conversations? See, we're way past the, the old days where people are just going to show up and like, hey, I want to go to church. People don't do that anymore, right? Like maybe, maybe for Easter, but that's not the normal anymore where it's just like, man, we're, yes, yes, you still have some mega churches, but the normal person isn't just saying, I can't wait to go to church on Sunday. The reality is, is one of the reasons we planted this church was because we want to reach people far from God. Growing up, I would have considered myself a Christian. And the reason I would have considered myself a Christian is because I went to church twice a year. And if you asked me why I was going to heaven, I would have told you because I'm a great person. I mean, look at me. But here's the reality. Right now, just one in four Americans is a practicing Christian. And you ask, what is a practicing Christian? The standard's not very high. You go to church once a month, and you say you're a Christian. Did you know that just in 2000, 45% of America was a practicing Christian? So in, less, in about 22 years, that number has shrunk by 20%. What does this mean? We're on track, if that same trend goes, to be what? Less than 10% in 20 years. Can you picture in America? 
where less than 10% of people go to church even once a month? And that's the trajectory we're on right now. So since people aren't coming to church, I believe that we need to go to them. In the book of John, which we've been studying, here's what Jesus says. At the end of the book, it says, so Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, remember, Jesus leaves heaven to come to earth. Listen to what he says. I also sent you. Man, God wants to send us into his harvest and impact this world for Christ. Today, we're going to see Jesus engage a man with a gospel conversation. Now, it's really funny to say, have a gospel conversation because Jesus did. Jesus was actually the gospel. You know what I'm saying? So like... I mean, the gospel had a gospel conversation. It's kind of weird. But I think he does show us what a gospel conversation does. And today I want to challenge all of us to get out of our comfort zone and engage gospel conversations. And here's why. Because it disarms the misconceptions that are so prevalent in our world. So we're just going to look at three reasons why we need to engage in gospel conversations. And the first thing it disarms is this. Here's the first misconception that many people have is religion is greater than Jesus. So most, a lot of people are out there thinking that religion is greater than Jesus. Verse one. Now there was a man of Demas, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with them. The first thing I want to point out here is remember the Pharisees, a lot of them in the book of John wanted to kill Jesus. But what I want to point out here is that people are interested in Jesus. This guy, Nicodemus, was a what? A Pharisee. And listen, it doesn't just say um, he came. It says, Rabbi, look in verse 2. It says, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God. Why is that we so important? Because sometimes as I just shared these stats with you and I just said, man, no one's coming to church. Sometimes we think no one's even interested in God. But it says there were multiple Pharisees who were interested in him. We know that you have come from God. Notice they did not believe he was God, but there was interest that should give you hope as you think through even the hardest person the person you think man if i talk to them about jesus they're going to shoot me you know say you got that person in your life you're like that person would never listen to me about jesus there are people interested about god but i also want us to see here that where nicodemus was right here this wasn't enough he believed about jesus but not jesus who he really was did you know every religion accounts for jesus Everyone does. Even Islam. Islam has this part in their story where Jesus was going to get crucified. He like disappeared. And he did like a little switcheroo. But people have to account for Jesus because historically you can't deny him. Even if you take the Bible away, there was a figure named Jesus. And Nicodemus also shows us that following Jesus is risky. Notice he didn't come to Jesus in day. Do you remember a character in the Old Testament who did some stuff at night? Gideon, anyway, that's kind of random, random trivia. He came to Jesus at night. 
because he didn't want to get out of his comfort zone. He didn't want to be seen. But little did Nicodemus know that his night was way darker than he knew. See, one of our key things at renovation is we want to focus on relationship, not religion. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that they may know you. And having a relationship with God, that's what it's about. Eternal life is knowing God. If you don't like knowing God, you're not going to like heaven. Relationship is greater than religion. Look at verse 3 here. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We're going to see this theme throughout this whole passage. Unless you are born again. What is Jesus saying to Nicodemus? Even though you're a teacher, even though you're supposed to be leading the people, you are off. Nicodemus, you are not born again. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. If Nicodemus who, guys, these, these people who are Pharisees, they didn't just like, you know, like if you went to a church today and you, you met an average Christian, the chances is they might not even know what the Bible says. These Pharisees were not like that. They read their Bible. They interpreted their Bible and they memorized sections of their Bible. Like there's almost a guarantee they could quote word for word for you all of the Ten Commandments, if not entire books. And if Nicodemus was off, think about the average Joe person. Nicodemus was openly curious about Jesus, but still fell a long way short of confession that he was uniquely the promised coming one. Even for Nicodemus, there must be a radical transformation, the generation of new life comparable with physical birth. By the term born again, he means not the amendment of a part, but the renewal of the whole nature. Hence, it follows that there is nothing in us that is not defective. Guys, Nicodemus was off. But you know what I've seen our culture is we are off. Has anyone heard this term? It's called therapeutic deism. This is what the average person in America believes about God. It doesn't matter if they're Christian, say they're Christian, whatever their religion is. This is what a lot of people believe in God. Let me just read this to you. A God exists who created order in the world and watches over life on earth. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Three, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Four, God is not involved in my life except when I need God to resolve a problem. Five, good people go to heaven when they die. This sounds nice, right? The only problem is this is not the gospel. And this was evidence in a recent conversation I had with the guy. This is actually a couple years ago, but he was a football player and I sat down with him and I went to Dallas Theological Seminary and there's this guy, he doesn't, it doesn't even really matter, but his name is Chuck Swindoll. Has anyone heard of Chuck Swindoll before? He was like the, the old version of whoever the new cool preacher is. You know, he was like the old Matt Chandler, I guess. And this guy went to Chuck Swindoll's church. So I'm like, man, I'm going to share with him about disciple making. This is awesome. This guy went on a mission church at Chuck Swindoll's church. So I was like, man, this guy is going to be ready for discipleship. And I asked him a question. I said, on a scale of 0 to 100, just to make sure he's a believer, right? How sure are you that you're going to heaven? I'm 50% sure. I said, why? Because I'm, I'm not living like I should. 
someone in one of my icons churches couldn't even enunciate the news of the gospel. Why do I share that? Because I'm confident right here, this room, we have that answer. And we get to take that to people. It doesn't matter if they're churched, unchurched, that is what they need. This week, we uh, actually did the wheel illustration in our small group. And what do you think our weakest one was as a group, ladies? Evangelism. And I was like, of course, today's talk is on evangelism, right? But here's the thing. If if I don't take good news to someone, who's going to do it? Is my friend who doesn't even believe the Bible going to do it? And God's calling us to be that light and to bring that good news. You know, I was thinking about, this is random, but Manu Ginobili just made the Hall of Fame. I could talk to you about Manu Ginobili for hours. It's great. You guys will leave here and forget about Manu Ginobili. And should I be able to talk about Jesus the same way? Like, I talk naturally. Like, we could be talking about OU football. I can bring Ginobili up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I want to be that person who just doesn't force it, but just, man, that's, that's my heart. All right, so the first reason we need to engage in gospel conversation is because it disarms the misconception that religion is greater than Jesus. Remember, Jesus is greater than religion. But there's another misconception that gets unraveled, disarmed in this conversation. The next reason we need to engage in gospel conversation is because it disarms this misconception. We don't need redemption. Listen to what Nicodemus says. Nicodemus did not think he was in need of redemption. Verse 4, here's what it says. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What Nicodemus is saying is exactly right. This can't happen. But why do we need redemption? And it's simple. We have an impossible problem. He is right. Salvation is impossible. Being saved is impossible without God. I think Nicodemus thought a lot like the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul says this. I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was circumcised. I followed all these rules. But he said, not even this was enough. Nicodemus, not just because he was a leader, this Jewish man who was trying really hard to follow all these things, that he was naturally going to be in the kingdom of God one day. And like we saw in verse 3, Jesus said, you're missing the boat. And then he goes, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter into a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus is like, exactly, that can't, you can't do it. And isn't this a great picture of just the reality that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? I love this. A great picture of sin is a picture of a bullseye. If I was going to shoot a bow and arrow at a bullseye, if I miss the, bull, the, the, the centerpiece, that's, a pic, that's called missing the mark. And that's what sin is a picture of. It's when we miss God's mark. Now, 
you guys are pretty good in here. I know a lot of you guys. You kind of barely missed the mark, but you still missed the mark. When I shoot my boat here in high school, I wasn't even hitting the bolt, the target at all. And my point is, it doesn't matter how much you miss the mark by, we fall short of the glory of God. God. Paul missed it. He tried really hard. Some people miss it and they don't try at all. But the bottom line is, it's, we all miss it and we have an impossible problem. Look at verse 5 and 6. Jesus answered, truly, truly. We see that throughout all of John. Truly, truly. I tell you the truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We don't just need a little help. We need a transformation. We need a new life. And I think Nicodemus was making this a national problem. Like, man, I'm a Jew. I'm going to be in the kingdom of heaven one day. And that would be like, parents were Christians, so I'm a Christian, so I'm going to heaven. That's how he was thinking. But Jesus like, no, not unless something changes. This is how the majority of people around you. We started a disc golf team during COVID. It wasn't really a team. It was more of a bunch of guys who thought, you know, just wanted something to do because it was such a weird time. And, uh, Michael, I remember you and me would walk on a disc golf, and, man, you would say, quote, man, you would say, the gospel is our only hope. And during that time, right, during COVID, like, you had some people who were like, man, hope is going to be found if President Biden wins. Everything's going to be great. Then you have people over here like, no, if Trump wins, everything's going to be great. And, of course, we found out neither of those is the answer, right? <laughs> but a lot of the times, it's like, that's where we think our hope is found. And that's what Nicodemus was saying. Jesus, if you will come in here and destroy these people who are ruling over us and give us our back at the table, life will be great. And Jesus is like, no, you need a transformation. If you even want to get into the kingdom, something has to change. You know, as Heather was sharing when I was preparing this talk, one of the things I pray for every day is, God, give me a gospel conversation. And, and over COVID, the thing about this talk is like sharing the gospel is, is my strength usually. It's one of my giftings. But over COVID, I haven't been great at it. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, just, man, people don't want to talk anymore. I get all these ideas in my head. And it's those prayer parents saying, God, give us a gospel conversation. And, and uh, we were hanging out with one of Heather's coaches on uh, Friday. And I was just like, you know, I've talked to this guy about 500 things. And I was like, I've never talked to him about the gospel. So we were out eat, we were eating. And I just asked him, I said, man, here's what happened in my life. And I kind of shared my story with him a little bit. And then I go, how would you answer that question? I go, zero to 100, you die today. How sure are you that you would be in heaven? Yes, I want Ginobili to be your favorite player, but he, he never will. So let's ask something that actually means something here. He's like, man, I'm 45 to 50% sure. I was like, man, do you think someone could actually be 100% sure they're going to heaven? He was like, yeah. You know, some of my friends who follow the Bible. So we got into this conversation. I shared a little bit about grace. And I said, man, this is what the Bible says. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. And one of my favorite illustrations is, is you know, I, I pointed to some random guy. I go, man, what went up and punched that guy in the face? 
And I was like, he punched me back, right? He probably should. And I go, what if I punched him in the face and he gave me $100 back? That'd be crazy, right? That's grace. It's when we get something we don't deserve. And I just share it. I go, man, because I've received God's gift, I'm going to heaven because I have his grace. And Heather shared some incredible insights. I mean, it was just, it was just an awesome conversation. And I was like, man, what? wasn't crazy. It was just awesome. Guys, God wants us to have these gospel conversations. Nicodemus needed a complete overhaul. Before you were a Christian, you needed a complete overhaul. The fact that we need to be born again reveals, reveals how broken we really are. Something was wrong when sin happened. We don't need a little fix-up. We need new birth. Now, a lot of kids are in here. And I love watching the kids back there. It's just like, man, I love kids. Heather's been bugging me. You guys are having these kids. And she's like, why don't we have more kids? And I'm like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. But physical birth is powerful, right? Like 11-4-2004, there's no doubt that we had a child. And as powerful as physical birth is, man, this birth Jesus was talking about to Nicodemus was even more powerful. We need spiritual rebirth. We need something powerful. Verse 7 through 10 says this. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Notice, he's not saying like one time, I was like, you got to be born again. Over and over again, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants you hear it, but you don't know where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to them, to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Wouldn't it be kind of embarrassing? It's like, dude, you know the Bible and you can't even get this basic illustration, you know. Guys, the city of Pearland's biggest need isn't even a new church. Yes, come to renovation. Go to Second Baptist. Go to whatever church. But the need for your neighbor who doesn't know Christ is redemption. It's the good news of the gospel. And they need it. And I want to share this real quick before we jump to our last point. Last night, I had a messenger from one of my friends at 11. This was a high school friend I haven't talked to in probably 15 years. This is what he texted me. See if I can find my messenger. Messenger is not quite as easy as the... He said, um, I have to quit drinking, but I don't know how. I see a liver specialist next month. And I text him back. So we're going to meet up next week. But my friend's issue isn't the drinking problem. My friend's issue is he needs the hope of the gospel. Now he needs to stop drinking so he doesn't die like this year. But what's his real need? He needs redemption. And my dad, who was an alcoholic, he's been clean for years. I went to an AA meeting with him. And here's what stood out to me that I'll never forget. They stood up. They said, hey, my name's Johnny. I've been clean for 10 years. Lady was down. I'm Sally. I've been clean five years, but I got wasted yesterday. I mean, they knew they had a problem, and they knew they needed help. I mean, people around us, they need Christ. 
Okay, so we've looked at two things that these Gospels conversations will disarm. There's one other thing. There's one other reason we need to have these Gospel conversations. It's because it disarms this misconception. Heaven can't be earned. And I'm sitting in a group of people here who study their Bible, and this is all like, yes, this is so common sense, but this is not common sense on the street level. And think about this. This was a teacher of Israel, and it wasn't common sense to him. This means there are people who are in my shoes, who preach sermons every week, who think that heaven can be earned. And again, you notice these words here. It says, verse 11, truly, truly, when Jesus said, He's trying to make a point. I say to you, speak of what we know and bear what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Now, when I became a Christian, have anyone heard of Tommy Nelson before? He's a preacher. He's my favorite preacher. He would like go, Book, uh, book, book through the Bible. You know, he'd be like in the book of John for a year. Don't worry, we're not going to stay here in the book of John just like three or four months. Uh, there's not one way or right way. But, but I should say, I love Tommy Nelson. But here's the thing. My neighbor who doesn't know Jesus isn't going to pop in a Tommy Nelson series and listen to the book of John for a year. They need the basic gospel message. One of the things I love about our vision is we're sitting down with Andy and Christian last night. I was thinking about this is, we're called to make disciples and to be disciples. But what I love about the vision is the entry point so simple, right? In order to become a disciple, you have to what? Believe in the gospel. And that's the reality. I love this next verse. It's so connected. The Bible is such a cool book. Verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so that a man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him have eternal life. You guys know the story. The book of Numbers had the Israelites grumbling, right? So God sends like some serpents and stuff to like start killing them and eating them. So, so could you picture if we grumble today and God just sent like serpents at us? I mean, that might. You ever pray that for your kids? Like, send a serpent at my kid for complaining. And God sends these serpents at him, and the people of Israel are like, Moses, help us. And Moses is like, okay, you know, he's kind of, you know, picture of Christ a little bit. So he holds up his, his thing. He's like, whoever looks up and believes will be healed. Cool, cool story, right? And then, of course, it's so beautiful because he connects that to this, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Not a hard message to share, is it? I titled this talk, to Believe or Not to Believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. As we were sitting there with Anthony, don't we want to, wouldn't it be easy to add to the gospel? Like, hey, Anthony, you got to believe in the gospel. You got to come to renovation and you got to give me all your money. But that's how you're going to get to heaven. No. It says, believe 
in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Guys, as we leave today, I've got a very specific challenge for all of us. This rest of this year, man, God is really calling us to grow in Him. He's calling us to sharpen each other. I love Tom Cruise from Tom Cruise. I want to push you guys further than you know you could go. The part for me saying that is if I do that, then I'm going to have to push myself. And like, I think we all like comfort, right? But God wants us to grow. He wants us to be a spirit greenhouse. So turn the page. You got one more hand out here. I have a very specific thing. When we were in seminary, I heard this evangelist speak to him and he said that he's never met someone who's good at sharing the gospel who doesn't have a tool. There's no magic way to share the gospel. There's thousands of tools out there. This week, I want to challenge everyone in church to share this with your spouse or your kids. You'll probably blow it. You'll probably stink at it. But just think about this. The first time I had to share this, I was with the guy who led me to Christ. And he went up to a random group of people and he said, my friend's going to share with you. I didn't even know I was going to share with him. But here's the thing. This isn't just for gospel conversations. One of the things I think Christians struggle with is a lot of Christians don't even know what and why they believe what they believe. As you share this, man, it's going to make you go deeper in your own faith. Lord, thank you so much that you've allowed us to be part of your plan. Talked about a very scary topic today, evangelism. Lord, I know that it's scary to get out of our comfort zone. Lord, I pray for anyone here who it's like, man, that's just not me. Lord, I pray that we realize we could play a part in this, even if it's a small part. Even if it's praying for someone, even if it's inviting them to church, even if it's sharing Christ, I pray that we would take initiative. Lord, I just want to thank you for our people here. I'm thinking about Justin and Amelia, how they said, hey, we, this isn't our strongest. They were willing to open their house up. I just pray we would take steps of faith to reach this community for Christ. Amen.